continuing our series uh, called Be Curious, where we are, you know, in the South, in the United States, uh, Jesus is somebody that a lot of people know a lot about or think they know a lot about and have a lot of opinions and have spent a lot of time listening to people with a lot of opinions, talk to them about Jesus. And so uh, what we are doing in this um, sermon series, hopefully, Lord willing, is we are um, kind of looking at Jesus again through the eyes of people who encountered him for the first time and how he surprised them <laughs> and how he is leading and where we're going today uh, very much so, encouraging us to be curious, uh, to leave our preconceived notions of who he is and what he's like and what he cares about and even how he sounds uh, on the table to come with fresh eyes and fresh ears See, okay, who are you really? Not who everybody says you are. Uh, not what I grew up with. Not the place where um, I was really maybe hurt um, by people who said they were following you and teaching me something about you that's not really true. But um, who are you? And asking that the Lord would show us himself in a new way. So um, who's reading our scripture this morning? Alicia, come on up. We're in um, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. Now there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. That's all really clear, right? <laughs> Let me pray for us. Um, Father, we, uh, we come before you, and uh, I just confess that I come a lot of times like Nicodemus and... Um, and just want to come in bringing you what I know. Um, and I, I don't know where that comes from, but um, it's just really hard to open my hands and say, I actually don't know. Um, and would you just teach me? Would you just show me? So I pray that for me, for us, uh, right now as your word is read and preached, that you would open our hearts and make us receptive to you so that you can give us what we need. You can give us more of yourself. You can um, open our eyes to more of who you are and what is ours and who is ours in Christ and that we would not leave here unchanged. 
and ask that in, in your name, Jesus, and through your power, <laughs> Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, so if you are around young kids very much, then uh, you hear this a lot, some version of this a lot. I heard this a lot at my house this week. Um, somebody would say, oh, I already know that. I know that. And, like, and then the, somebody else will challenge, okay, well, what is it? I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> okay, why not? Because I want to see if you know. Or because I don't have to tell you because I already know. Um, and, you know, we, we laugh at that. We, we're all familiar with that. We've all done that. But the reality is, as adults, we still do that, um, just in more sophisticated ways, more subtle ways. And we do that with a lot weightier matters. Um, there is something that's really threatening about saying, I don't know, right? And, and there's something, that, that feeling of, of threat and fear in saying, I don't know, is heightened when it's something that we take a lot of pride in being experts in or something that we should know a lot about. And so, you know, little kids will do this with anything, but we'll do this with things that really have a lot to do with our lives, um, with our career, with our dating and marriage, uh, the way we think about um, all aspects of our identity, um, all of our spirituality. Uh, so the cost of staying in our ignorance and pride and saying, well, I already know, when it's very clear that we don't know, um, the costs are very high. And so Jesus um, does what he does here with Nicodemus, he does this with us, and Lord willing, he's going to do this right now, and, and he's doing it as I speak, um, that he is in his mercy opening us up to be able to say and confess what's true that I don't know, and I need help so that we can receive from him and have life. And so um, this passage was very convicting for me on a lot of levels uh, this week, but just to get into this, um, who is Nicodemus? Nicodemus is a ruler of the people of God. He's a Pharisee, um, which is this uh, elite sort of ruling party where they took the Bible very seriously, knew a lot about the Bible, uh, which at that point was the Old Testament. Uh, he was, he in particular, Jesus says later in this passage, he is the teacher of Israel. So he is like the highest ranking teacher in all of, of this realm of God's people. And he is pro probably the second most powerful man among the Jewish uh, people behind their King Herod, their ruler. And so he being uh, the teacher of Israel is in a very dangerous place because it's, it's very easy for him to believe that he knows. And, and when he doesn't know, it's, it's very tempting for him to say that he knows uh, when he doesn't know. And that um, can keep you in a very dead, uh, very dead, very um, dry place. And so Jesus, though, uh, like he does with all of his people, he is, he is drawing this man like a magnet. Um, there's something about Jesus. There's something about the way that he teaches. He teaches, he talks about God in like firsthand knowledge, like he actually knows God personally. Uh, the way that he teaches is, is drawing people in. The way that he is performing these miracles and healing people of all these diseases and all these infirmities. Um, Nicodemus is watching this. He's hearing this. And so um, he cannot stay away from Jesus. When he goes to Jesus in this passage, this is not like an official fact-finding mission from the Pharisees. This is a, a personal journey that he has to take. And he goes 
at night, because he's too embarrassed to go during the day, he can't just go to Jesus as the teacher of Israel and say, hey, I don't know, will you help me? Will you explain things to me? So um, even though he goes at night, he still goes. And I, and I love, I want you to see as we walk through this passage, Jesus's kindness and his mercy, because Nicodemus is just barely giving him a sliver every 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 inch of the way, he is just barely giving him <laughs> any kind of humility, any kind of curiosity. Um, and Jesus just meets him where he is and says, don't worry, I'll, I'll give you what you need. And so he comes to Jesus at night and he, he comes, think about why he comes. Clearly this man is coming to Jesus because he doesn't know, right? I am so curious. I don't know what's happening. I need you to help me put the pieces together. This is why he's coming in the middle of the night to see Jesus. But how does he start? Jesus answers the door, and the first thing out of his mouth is, we know. We know you are a teacher come from God. Let me just, let me just tell you what I know. Well, why did you come to my house to tell me what you know? It's because he's afraid. It's because he's arrogant. And he says, we. He's speaking on behalf of the Pharisees. Why? Because he's afraid. I need to feel powerful. I need to feel like I've got all these people with me as I stand before you. So, I, so when you answer the door, I say, we know. And that's the first place we go, right out of the gates. We know that you are a teacher come from God. And here's the crazy thing. Even though there's, that's true in a sense, um, what he knows, what we know, will actually be the thing that keeps us from being able to know and access Jesus for who he really is. Because he knows, he knows that he is a teacher come from God. So we, we've already buttoned that up, sealed it, put it in the corner, we're done. Jesus is like, well then, where do we go from here, right? If you already know who I am, where do we go from here? And the, and the problem is, that's not all who Jesus was. And so I just want to stop here at the beginning and uh, ask us to do some reflecting. Like, his heart his curiosity is coming from his heart and it's leading him to Jesus to get some answers. His heart is banging on the walls inside, is banging on the doors that he's locked in his pride and saying, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> I've got to be free. And so um, his heart is leading him to Jesus. His curiosity is a thread that is leading him to Jesus and leading him to life. And so I just want to stop here and ask, um, where, where are those places where those alarms are going off in your heart right now. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's in a place where you think like, I, there's no way I could confess that I have no idea what I'm talking about or no idea what I'm doing. But wherever that place is, the Lord is always knocking and getting us to follow our curiosity to say, I actually don't know, will you show me? Because what happens when I'm open and you show me is that you lead me to life. You lead me to good places. And so, he comes with this declarative statement, we know that you're a teacher come from God. And in Jesus's mercy and his wisdom, he's having the conversation with Nicodemus's heart. He is bypassing the words that are coming out of Nicodemus's mouth. You notice that? He's not answering his question because what Nicodemus wants to do is draw him into an argument where he can be superior. Well, we know that you're a teacher come from God, but why don't you just... Uh, why don't you justify yourself some more and tell us exactly who you are? Jesus is like, no, nah, we're not playing that game. Um, let me tell you something, Nicodemus. Um, I'm going to tell you that unless somebody is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. 
Because what Nicodemus is really saying is, will you help me understand God? I don't understand God. I'm, I'm over here as the teacher of Israel claiming to know exactly who God is and what he does, and I know everything. But the reason I'm standing at your house this night is I actually don't understand God or how he works or who he is or what he's up to. And Jesus says, I know that's why you're here, and I know that's the question that your heart is asking, so that's what I'm going to answer. And he says, in effect, uh, what you need to know is that there is an entire kingdom of God that's out there. There's an entire reality that you have no idea about. And you, you can't even see it. And, and just a little taste of, of what is the kingdom of God. Ephesians 6.12 says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Jesus is saying, you have got to open your mind uh, much, much wider than it is right now because there are entire universes that you have no idea exist. And he says, in order to see this reality, in order to begin to move into this spiritual kingdom that is the Lord reigning over all things, um, in order to be able to see this, you have to be born again. But this, this word that he uses again has a double meaning. It means born again, like born a second time, but it also means born from above. And so in effect, what he's saying to Nicodemus is you have to have a, a, another, a second like radical crisis akin to being born into this world. You need another one of those and it has to come from God in order to even see the kingdom. And he's using this birth language specifically for Nicodemus uh, because he's saying you need to get to a place where you understand that you are not a spiritual expert. You're actually a spiritual infant. And not only are you an infant, you're an infant that hasn't even left the womb yet. So not only are you totally dependent, but you can't even see the world that you are, are being born into. And uh, it's working. Jesus' speaking to his heart is working because he starts with a statement, and now we at least get him asking a question, even if it's sarcastic, which I think it might be. Um, what, he, what he asked Jesus is, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus uh, answers the question that, that he's really asking, which is, how is this spiritual birth possible? And Jesus says something really strange. Um, and there's a temptation in me as I'm preaching this passage to you to try to answer all the questions and button everything up. But then that kind of puts me in a place like Nicodemus. So I'm going to try to not do that. I'm going to try to just give what I feel like we, we need. But um, Jesus says, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. He's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about going back and entering your mother's womb a second time. That's not what I'm saying to do. Uh, you need to be concerned about entering the spiritual kingdom of, of God that we're talking about. And he says the way that you do that is being born of water and the spirit. You're like, wow, that's helpful. Uh, no idea what that means. But Nicodemus actually knew what that meant. Because remember, he's an expert in the law. He's an expert in the word of God in the Old Testament. And there is a passage in Ezekiel 36, and that's what Jesus is doing is he's 
tying him to the word of God to say, hey, this all isn't new. This has actually been written for, for years and years and years. It's just being fulfilled right now. And so when he says being born of the water, being born of water and born of the spirit, he's taking him to Ezekiel 36, which says this. This is God talking about what he's going to do in the future. I will sprinkle clean water on you, my people, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleannesses and from all of your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He's saying that I will cleanse you with water and I will give you new life through my spirit that's going to dwell in you, being born of water and of the spirit. And he gives Nicodemus another picture. He says, how is the spiritual birth possible? The spiritual birth is possible through my Holy Spirit. And he says, um, it's like the wind. Like you, you can't know. So let me give you just a picture um, so that you can begin to think about what this is like. Think about the wind. You can hear it. You can feel it. You can, you can experience it as something very comforting, like a gentle breeze. And you can experience it as something very terrifying, like a hurricane or a tornado but you can't see it. You can see the effects of it, but you can't see it. And, and that's what, you know, that's the difference between believing and knowing. Um, that's the difference between being able to know something, but not see something. Um, God says in his word that we walk by faith and not by sight. That's not this blind, just believe what anyone wants to say to you about who God is, but it's this reality that I can know, like I can know that there is a spirit and that he is moving and I can know, um, I can hear him and I can experience him, but I can't see him and I can't know exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it at all times. So there's a difference between belief that's grounded in something, that's grounded in truth, and like knowing is total comprehension, which, which is not possible with God. Because to totally comprehend something is to be able to wrap your mind around it, which would necessitate you being equal or superior to whatever that thing is. And he's saying, you, you will never totally comprehend God. And so, uh, again, this is working as Jesus is speaking to his heart because now not only is he asking a question, but this next question that he asks is, is truly um, an honest place of confession of, I don't know. <laughs> he says, how can these things be? Like you are blowing me up with all of this crazy knowledge and it's like you're you're opening my mind and filling it with all this stuff that I can't even comprehend but I know it's real like how can these things be and that is that is the question of his heart and so that now is the question that Jesus answers from here how is this possible um, Jesus makes this statement that sounds really harsh but it's actually really kind he says wait um, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things and it can sound like he's, he's just putting his foot on him and stomping him into the ground and just making his point. But what he's really doing is, is he's saying that feeling that you feel of being the teacher of Israel but not knowing anything, that is a really healthy place. It's not a place of shame. That's what the enemy does. That's what we were talking about earlier. The enemy wants us to feel shame and fear of, of, be, of raising our hands and saying, I don't know. And what Jesus is saying here is, 
you don't ever have to feel shame for that. In fact, that's a, that is the only place that you can be to receive life and receive me. And so you may be the teacher of Israel because I've put you in this position, um, but that doesn't mean that you know. It doesn't mean that you know everything. It means you're dependent. And so he's inviting him to childlikeness. He is rightly orienting him to God and saying, um, you know, I'm, I'm just talking to you now about parts of this heavenly realm that touch earth. Like we're just, this is earthly things I'm telling you about. You have no idea about this. And so how are you going to know about heavenly things? It's like, man, we, we need, even if it doesn't feel good in the moment, we need a right understanding of who we are and who God is. That's the only way we're going to be able to find life. And so if you're like me and you're somebody who um, struggles with pride just a little bit and feel like you know things a little bit, um, that is a way that the Lord is going to love you is to humble you because he's like, you cannot receive me. We cannot be in right relationship as long as you're thinking you're someplace that you're not and that you need me very little or not at all. And so he is being very, very, very kind in inviting Nicodemus into this relationship. And he is telling him uh, when he says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. Um, remember, if you were here last week, uh, this passage from Daniel 7, there is one who is a son of man who is coming. And Jesus is saying, I'm him. And I'm telling you these things. The reason I can talk about God, like firsthand personal statement that makes everybody wake up and think, who is this guy? Is because I've actually been with him and seen him face to face. I'm the only one. I'm the son of man that was prophesied that was to come who God, the ancient of days, has given him all authority. And that's, that is who is standing before you. I, I think it's hilarious. It's so amazing. It's like watching um, Muhammad Ali just destroy people in his prime because he's moving so fast and he's so powerful and he's so much that, that people don't even, they can't even see him, much less fight him. And Jesus, when he came in, and the first thing he says to Nicodemus is, oh, you know about me. Like you can't even see the kingdom of God. Uh, unless you're born again. And part of what he's saying is, I'm telling you that I'm God, that I'm the king of God's kingdom and I'm standing before you and you don't even know that I'm here. You are the one who's teaching everyone about God. You're an expert in God and I'm standing in front of you and you can't even recognize me. And so, um, so where, do we, <laughs> where do we go from here? This is where we get to the, um, I, I wanna apologize for making it a, um, Marvel movie reference, but I'm about to. I feel like that's the new like Matrix or Lord of the Rings that just gets quoted in sermons all the time. But uh, if you've seen the first Doctor Strange, it's this when he is when he's standing before the crazy bald lady. I forget her name, um, and he's he's arrogant, right? He's like, I don't need this. And then she touches him, and all of a sudden his mind is just blown, and now he's like, I need this. <laughs> There's nothing else compared to this. And that's what Jesus is doing right now. We're about to do a deep dive, so stay with me. Uh, we're going to do it quickly. We're going to do a flyover. But this is where you get like the Dr. Strange touch because he's telling him, I am the son of man. I'm the one that was talked about in Daniel 7. And then, and then all of a sudden, everything starts lighting up. And, and he's thinking about all these prophecies. Zechariah 14.9 says, um, God will be the king forever. But then um, in 2 Samuel 7.13 um, God tells David 
that the, the king forever is going to be a man. He says a descendant of David will be king forever. And then Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, this passage that we, we read in, during Advent season all the time, is, well, okay, it's going to be a God-man. Um, a child will be born in David's line who is also the everlasting father. So this is going to be God, fully God, and fully man. And then Isaiah 53, 5 says, um, this God-man who is king will cleanse and heal and give life to his people through his own suffering. By his wounds, we will be healed. And now let's go back for just a second to this whole picture of water and the spirit. The reason that this prophecy from uh, Ezekiel 36 talked about being born of water and the spirit is pointing back to this, this element of the sacrificial system that God's people had in the Old Testament where there was a, uh, for an unclean person, they would take two birds and one bird they would, uh, they would put over a bowl of fresh water, clean water, and they would kill the bird and uh, release its blood into the bowl to be mixed with the water. And then they, they take the water and the blood and pour it on the live bird, and then they set it free. And so what Jesus is saying about who he is when we're bringing all of these Old Testament prophecies together is, I am fully God and fully man and the way that I am bringing my shalom, my peace, my wholeness, my flourishing to my people for all time, for all eternity is I'm gonna suffer and die in their place to cleanse them with the water and the blood. It's gonna be my blood that's poured out and my blood that is gonna cleanse them and give them new life and set them free. That's who I am. That's who's standing before you, Nicodemus. That's, that's what you cannot see without the spirit of God bringing you new life and giving you eyes. And then the last thing he, he points to in this, this uh, journey through the Old Testament is uh, in verse 15, 14 and 15, he references this passage in Numbers where um, Moses lifts up this serpent on a pole. And what he's talking about there is... Um, God's people were so rebellious, they weren't listening to him at all. And so the Lord releases all of these poisonous, deadly snakes into their camp. And the snakes start biting the people and the people start dying. And so the people run to Moses and say, please intercede for us. Please do something. Can we do anything about this? So Moses goes to God on their behalf and the Lord says, I want you to fashion a bronze serpent, like a bronze statue of a serpent, and lift it high up on a pole, and whoever sees it will be healed. So think about this. The people that are dying of poisonous snake bites literally just turn and look up, and their eyes make contact with the serpent on the pole, and their, their wounds are healed. Now, who understands how that works? Fully, full comprehension and full understanding has never been <laughs> something that God's given his people because it's just not possible. But what Jesus is saying here is, by my wounds you will be healed and here's what it's going to be like. I am going to be lifted up. And that's another double meaning. Lifted up is like lifted up on a cross to suffer and die. But lifted up is also the way you talk about exaltation, which again is both. And it's blowing, it's blowing your mind because who would have ever thought that God's plan would involve God dying in our place? That's not what gods do. That's what servants do. And Jesus says, just like 
that serpent was lifted on the pole and they looked to that serpent in faith and lived and were healed and given life. That's what's going to happen with me. I'm going to be lifted up on a cross. And those who look to me in faith and just believe what I say, that I am doing this for you, by my wounds you are healed. Those who look in faith and believe that will be healed. Now, explain that. We can't. We don't need to. And what does he say in this this verse that's so familiar? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever fully comprehends everything that he says and understands everything in him should not perish but have eternal life. No. Whoever believes, whoever just looks on him and says, yeah, like I don't know, I don't know. Help me, like help my unbelief. I don't know how this works, but I I just trust you. There's too much truth Your spirit is awakening me to the point where I know that something, this is real. This is happening. I don't fully comprehend how it's happening. But those who look on him in faith, those who believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want to just stop here for a second and think about applying this to um, some things that the Lord calls us to all the time. Like me standing up here and preaching his word. Like he says that new life comes from that, that the spirit works through the preaching of his word. How? I don't know. He just does. He works through us gathering in corporate worship. He calls us to corporate worship every week and says, you need to come and sing and worship and receive from me. And I, I do something in that. There is something that is happening in that that uh, you won't fully understand. And he, and he, in his love and his mercy, gets us to a place where we are free to confess we don't know. We don't know everything. He's moving us from knowing, comprehension, control, manipulation, independence, pride, ignorance, to believing, which is humility, submission, dependence, childlikeness, awe, wonder, joy. We are little children of God and we are free um, in every area of life. We are free to say, I don't know. In parenting, I don't know. I don't know what to do right now. In having spiritual conversations with other people, what if they ask me this question? I don't know. Just say, I don't know. I don't know. What if I'm a group leader and someone in my group asks me a question? Just say, I don't know. You're free. You are a little child of God and it's totally you're free to say, I don't know, in every area of your life. So again, Jesus in his mercy, um, he is lovingly releasing our hands on this death grip that we have to feeling like we have to know and understand everything. And he is freeing us up to say, I don't know, so that we can actually receive life from him. Father, would you, uh, would you do that? Would you free us? Would you open us? Would you, Lord, just um, please, please come to these places in our lives where we are um, determined in our pride and in our ignorance to, to know. And would you loosen our grip and would you give us the courage and the humility to say, I don't know. And then from there, would you lead us to life?
Would you give us real understanding? Uh, would you give us real freedom? Would you give us real peace in who you are and that we, we belong to you? And uh, ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, so now we get to practice um, another place where we don't know how this works. The Lord invites us to his table for communion. Um, he tells his people uh, from all, for all time until he returns that I want you to do this regularly. I want you to come and feast with me and celebrate this supper. And, and there's something that happens. He is in this um, in, in a very real way, um, meeting with his people when we come to the table to meet him. Uh, but on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples celebrating the Passover feast and he took bread and he broke it and he's saying, this is actually my body that's broken for you. Um, I'm gonna be broken for you uh, to nourish you and give you life because you need this. Um, and then he took the cup and he poured out the wine and said, this is actually my blood. This represents a new covenant. Uh, no longer are you going to be drinking the cup of God's judgment, but now you're drinking the cup of the wedding feast, the celebration that everything that needs to happen has happened by the pouring out of this blood. Everything that has separated you from God, all of your sin, all of your ignorance, all of your uh, pride and unbelief has now been accounted for in me. And I've borne it on myself as I've been lifted up um, for you all to see. <laughs> And so now this, my blood, is the new covenant that is you are in me, you are free. In me, you have new life. In me, you've been reconciled to God. So drink this cup and, and know that you are loved. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And so at Midtown West, the way we do that is we'll come up to the kneelers. Um, we invite you to spend time uh, with the Lord. This, this table is for everyone who knows that they are a sinner and that, that their only hope of a Savior is Jesus. And if that's you, whether you're coming for the first time or the millionth time, uh, come and taste and see that the Lord is good and that he loves you. So you'll come to the kneelers, uh, and when you're ready, you can put your hands out to receive the elements. You can also just signal that you would like prayer. It can be prayer in general or prayer for something specific, and I just want to encourage us that that's normal and healthy and good. That's a, a very healthy, tangible way to say, I don't know. Um, I need help. And so um, come when you're ready and... Uh, and experience the, the love and mercy of Jesus.